0: Welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Banner Monday where we begin the week the best way that we know how and that is by talking IU hoops and Big Ten basketball. I'm your host Jared Morris. We'll be here with Mike DeCoursey, uh in just a moment. Well, as you can see Mike is here but we'll start talking here in just a moment. Uh, I do have a few quick housekeeping notes right off the top Uh, we will talk to you guys again for assembly call radio on thursday night and then as we've been telling you about we are going to be in town this weekend so uh, ryan gets in thursday night the rest of us get in on friday we will be there for the iu purdue game and then about an hour after that game ends over at switchyard brewery we are going to do a live post game show Uh, hopefully breaking down a very important iu victory but we'll be there galen will be there Uh, I think the Hoosier Hysterics guys are going to be there. Hopefully Alex uh, from inside the hall is going to be able to make an appearance. So we're just going to try and bring a whole bunch of IU podcasters there to talk about this game. Uh, For those of you who are not going to be in Bloomington – and want to listen to the normal post-game show, obviously we won't be doing it, but Chat Mob Chad Schwartzkopf and Noah from the Hoosier Sound will have you here as normal, uh, and it'll be produced by Will DeWitt, a name that those of you who've listened to us for a while will know, one of our very first student interns, so they will have the post-game show immediately after, and then for those of you who are in town, we hope that you'll be able to come join us at Switchyard, because we would love to meet you and shake your hand, and thank you for being a member of the Assembly Call audience. Okay, and now... I am pleased to welcome in from the Big Ten Network, from the Sporting News, and now as a bracketologist for Fox, one of the hardest-working men in college hoops. He is the venerable Mike DeCourcy. Mike, Andy Reid has now won the Super Bowl, so clearly he's the most clutch coach of all time, and Kyle <laughs> Shanahan stinks and can't win the big one, right? Isn't that how we do this?
1: Oh, they're already at that. <laughs> uh, they're pointing out the, the fourth quarter numbers for Kyle Shanahan's two Super Bowl. Now, one was a, as an offensive coordinator, one was as a head coach, but the fact that he scored zero points in the fourth quarter of both those games and blew leads in both those games is not being forgotten. And I think it's fine to point out the problems that they had. It, it's what happened. And, and you can point out uh, the issues with that. But you, you should dissect it all, more than you should just condemn the man and, and say that he can't coach and that he's a choker. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what we do all the time. And then those guys, you know, like Andy Reid, and I pointed out on Twitter last night. I mean, this is the list of people who have been, like, thrown under the bus and told they can't coach. Lou Olson, this is the full list, by the way. Lou Olson, Dean Smith, Jim Calhoun, Bill Self, Jay Wright, Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, John Calipari, let's not forget him. Every single one of those guys at one point was declared to be a choker and unable to win the big one. And it just gets preposterous after a while. And so I wrote a column when they, when the Chiefs made the Super Bowl pointing out how ridiculous all that is. And I just, it, it gets exhausting. It really does. And, you know, they're doing it to, Ar- to Archie's brother, Sean, now. I mean, they, 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 he, he's been in the Elite Eight, I think, four times. I, I think three times in Arizona and once at Xavier. And it's just like, how do you think you get there? I mean, do you think you just wake up, you roll out of bed in the morning and you're in the Elite Eight? I mean, it's not how life works.
0: My favorite parts about these chats are like scrolling through your Twitter and finding out what's really got you and then winding you up with the very first question of the segment. <laughs> I, think, I think it works really well. My least
1: favorite part <laughs> about it is the inability to get the lighting so that I look like I'm... You
0: know. <laughs> yes, you are. you coming. making me crazy. You are coming to us from the darkness, but you are here to provide light with your wisdom and with your analysis. As Brian just said in the chat, ah, this is Mike's weekly Keep IU Fans from Jumping Off the Ledge segment. This keeps my sanity. So, no pressure there after a two-loss week for the hoosiers uh obviously look losing two games on the road in the big 10 not a surprise not even really anything to be ashamed of you know given how teams have played at home but for indiana fans very disappointed that the hoosiers really didn't compete you know in either one of these games certainly until the end How, how did you assess indiana's performance this past week
1: i mean that was the disappointment is that they weren't they they weren't really good in any area in either of those two games and it, 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 but again it takes you back to why the Maryland game was so punitive because you had you had the game in your hands and let it go and and didn't execute so if if you had gotten that one then you would be 16 and 5 right now and you'd be feeling good because you had a you know and you would you would have much rather gotten a road win somewhere along the way and all that but I mean you'd be feeling pretty good about where things are you'd be six and four in the conference you'd be You'd be, like many others, I think it's six others, you'd be within a in a loss column within a game of first place. Uh, there's uh, I had six teams with either three or four losses in the league. You would be one of those. And and, and frankly, should have been easily. I mean, not easily because you're playing a terrific team, but the, if everything was in your hands, you had the ball up seven with under four minutes. I mean, that's the kind of game that every good team, especially at home, every good team should bat like, Nine ninety nine in those circumstances. And they didn't do that. Uh, so then they go to Penn state and they, and they just don't have anything. And then, you know, they aren't the guards get completely wiped out. And then they go to Ohio state and the front court gets completely wiped out. And you don't have much to show for either game. You don't, you can't look at it at either performance and say, well, at least we did this. You know that—that's the disappointment from the from the weeks two games.
0: You know, as you look back on what Indiana just faced from Thursday, January twenty third through February first, so a span of what nine days, they faced teams currently ranked ninth, tenth, sixteenth, and twelfth. That is a two of them were at home, two of them were on the road. That's a difficult four game gauntlet with not much time between games. You know, you lost a player in Race Thompson who only played in the first one. You know, so you look at it from that sense, going one and three is not the worst thing in the world. It's disappointing given how it happened. But now, you know, from that Saturday game against Ohio State through next Thursday, Indiana only plays twice, both right. games at home, and their opportunities, you know, to pick up wins, hopefully over, you know, Purdue, who's ranked 28th and Ken Palm, Iowa, who's ranked 13th. Right. How Before we get into those games, how big of a deal do you think that just that scheduling is? Like that Indiana had to play those tough opponents in that condensed a period of time, and now they're actually going to have a little bit of rest. How much of a difference does that make now?
1: Yeah, I think the rest helps because they can use practice time. I mean, one of the problems that I see in this league right now, and and it's easily compared to the ACC, you look down the road, a couple hours down the road from where I'm sitting, Louisville right now, came into late January not really knowing who their point guard is. They knew they wanted it to be David Johnson, the freshman, very talented. uh, But he was hurt early, fell behind. They're trying to win games, trying to get, you know, trying to get a good seed and maybe win the ACC title and struggling to get him caught up. But they're in the ACC. And so they can go out and they can play against teams like a like a very, you know, like a. I'm going to go and look exactly at the schedule so I can put this in sequence. But they go and they play Georgia Tech at home and Clemson at home and at Boston College. Now, I'm, look, they want at Duke, so I'm not diminishing them as a team. They're terrific. But what I'm saying is that after Johnson played really well at Duke and they needed him to win that game, there's no question. But then they were able to say, okay, let's get this worked out. So now we know he can play. Now we can know he can play in a spotlight. He can play against a great team. But you still have to build the formula. You still have to build the comfort level. And so they go out against Georgia Tech and Clemson, and they weren't great against Georgia Tech. They only won by four, but it was going to be really hard to lose that game. And then they they beat the tar out of Clemson, and they were able to go on the road, and Boston College isn't any good. And now they now they got it pretty much figured out. They know how they want to play. And, and they go and they play against NC State, which is playing for a bit, but not really, you know, sort of struggling. And Louisville's really good now. And they go out and lock that one down too. And if they were in the Big Ten, I mean, that just wouldn't happen. I'm not saying they couldn't find their way, couldn't find their way to being good. I mean, Illinois has. But it, it every day would be a struggle for survival just to, you know, and, and then maybe at the end of that, you're saying, OK, we did all these things right and we survived each of these days and now we're good. And now we got a record that that allows us to breathe a little bit. If we drop one, it's not going to kill us. It's not like if we drop one, we're under 500. You know, you drop one now, you're eight, you're seven and three or eight and three or whatever. So there's a difference there. And, and that's what, you know, the Indiana, as soon as we got past, as, as you look, as, as a group of basketball people, as you looked at the schedule, and as soon as the Hoosiers got back past the Northwestern game, I looked at the schedule. And I think at that point, there were 15 games left. And 14 of them were against teams that were competing for tournament. bids, legitimately competing. I mean, like if you look, I I haven't had, I had Minnesota in my bracket once so far. I've not had Purdue in in a while, if at all. Um, But Lenardi has had Purdue in his bracket. So they're competing. And the other 10 teams have been in my bracket pretty much without interruption. I mean, they might be toward the back, but I haven't, I don't, I don't, I might have, I have never had one of the 10, you know, the other, you know, the other 10 aside from Wisconsin, Purdue. I have never had one of them in a first four game. The only first four Big Ten game I've had in any of my brackets was when Minnesota got up to three games over five hundred. I put them on the on the I think it was on the eleven line in a first four game, and that's it. Everybody else, you know, you're not solidly in because you go out and lose four in a row or whatever, and you could fall out. But they they none of those teams has been on the edge. So that that's what you're dealing with as an Indiana team. You are dealing with. The deepest conference, probably the deepest, let's put it this way, the deepest mega conference, you know, I mean, there. I I can say that in um, 1991, when I covered Pitt in the Big East, there were nine teams in that league and eight of them were alive until the final week, into the final weekend. And seven of them made it. That's a 77.8%, I think success rate um, to beat that. I think the big 10 has to get 12 out of 14. Yeah. But the difference is that you're playing 20 games in the mega conference. Okay. In that big East, there were nine teams. So you played 16 games that gave you 10, 12 games to do whatever you wanted with. And maybe you play and I think they might've been in ACC big 10 challenge. Then I think they had it going. So, okay. You got one really tough game um, for sure. But then you could – there, there was room to breathe. You, there, but this, you got to play 20 games, and it, pretty much, on average, 17 of them are against tournament players. I mean, that is a brutal deal. It's hard to get better in that circumstance. And that's why this time for Indiana is time when they can get better. They're, you know, they're not going they aren't going to get better if they don't use those two opportunities to win – because then confidence will be a problem and unrest. I'm talking about exterior unrest, um, that, which creates a difficult atmosphere and makes it harder to get, to get better. But if you take advantage of the time off in terms of practice improvement and then you apply that in those two games to getting wins that you need, then that maybe serves as that uh, cushiony schedule that some of the other conferences have that the Big Ten and Big East do not this
0: season. You know, you talk about improving and maybe things Indiana can do differently. It's inevitable that Indiana is going to play two bigs a decent majority of the time because of how important Trace is and just because of how the roster is constructed. But do you think it is time to try playing smaller more, to try, you know, only having one of those guys out there, you know, maybe playing with you know, Justin Smith or Jerome Hunter as a four playing three guards. Like, is it time to try that a little bit more to try and open things up offensively?
1: I'm not sure that I wouldn't go bigger because you can trust your bigs more than you can trust your guards. Uh, your, your guards have been all over the map and, and you get Armand Franklin, you get a great game. He goes on the road and he doesn't do much for, you know, I, I, I know he wasn't good on Saturday. I don't think he was good in the Penn State game either because none of
0: the guards were good in the Penn State game they yeah, were all so, not good
1: you know so i i i i'm not sure that i wouldn't trust that you know at least at that point you're getting your better players on the floor the guys who've performed i mean justin has been at least at least consistent i don't think he's been what he's capable of being but i think he's been good trace has been terrific especially uh, when you grade on the freshman curve Joey has been who he is, uh, which is a guy who finishes around the rim um, and rebounds fairly effectively, sometimes struggles a little bit to defend. Uh, And then you, you know, then you throw in Jerome who continues to, who is not necessarily a prototypical front court player, but neither is uh, Justin, but uh, you know, a guy who can function as either a two or a four, depending on how big you want to be. So, I feel better about those guys. So I understand what you're trying to say, but if you go smaller, you're putting more of the guys on the floor who've been vexing to you. And I'm not saying that if you did that, that might not in- empower them, but can you count on them? And that's, you know, I, 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 it's interesting. Um, Rob Finnessy is a guy whose trajectory I really liked as a freshman. Uh, and, who has had mom- good moments this year, but some rough moments too, and he's been injured some, and is back on the floor. And at times, you think, is he okay? And then he gives you a game uh, like he did uh, against, uh, you know, in I believe it was the uh, the game before Maryland, the um, the Michigan Michigan State. State. Yeah. He he was really solid, really good in that game. And you think, okay, he must be all, you know, he's good enough, you know, he's okay enough. And then you see him play like he did on Saturday and you hear uh, Robbie Hummel saying, I don't know if he's healthy. I I just doesn't seem the same. So I don't know, but the other guys, um, you know, I think Armand's a freshman and that, you know, he's, he, he's not, he's a very talented kid, but he's not one of those guys who can talent his way through things like a John Wall could. If John Wall had a problem uh when he was a freshman, at some point he could just say, Well, yeah, I don't know really know what I should do here, but I know what I can do.
0: Here. I'd like to deal with those problems.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and so that's you know, it's a different thing. And so he's he's been up and down like a lot of freshmen are, and then you have the veteran guys who give you good moments and then do things that you keep saying, you're a senior now. How how much longer do you have to play before you get it? And that's that's kind of where IU has been for most of this year.
0: So let's look ahead to what Indiana has coming. As we said, they face Purdue on Saturday. Again, that Iowa game isn't all the way until next Thursday. So we'll have another chance to talk before we have to talk about the Hawkeyes. But this Purdue game is important to Indiana for a number of reasons. We had Mark Titus uh, on our post game show after the Ohio State game, and he referred to Purdue as the best team that never actually wins, uh, just in, in reference to their to their Ken Palm ranking, <laughs> their computer rankings just never seem to drop no matter how many losses they take. You know they're they're twelve and ten right now. They came perilously close to losing that Northwestern game, and then just had an incredible set on the final play. And you know, I think they made an eleven zero run at the end to pull that game out. You know you know Purdue's going to come in, you know they're going to play hard, you know they're going to make that a tough game, you know, even though it's in Bloomington. How do you look at that matchup? Where do you kind of see some places that Indiana can take advantage?
1: Well, I think the first thing that you, where you place where Indiana would need to take advantage of is in assembly hall if if you understand what I mean I mean this is a team that has won that 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 the Saturday game that Northwestern had a seven point lead eight point lead with three and change left. Um, and I believe that lead stayed in force into the final two, like with in, not into the final two minutes, but into the, like when two and change, like it was two something. Um, they still had that because they had, they had an eight point lead. They had two bad trips, but Purdue didn't score on either of that uh, in, in answer to either of those two bad trips. So then Purdue, so then Northwestern comes down, if I remember correctly, and has a third bad trip trying to kill clock, but not able to generate much. And then Purdue comes down and hits a three. And then Northwestern comes down and has another bad trip and then another three and and on and on. Um, And so really, Northwestern had to really hand them the opportunity. Now, they had to take the opportunity. They, They couldn't drop it. Uh, but Northwestern had to open the door wide for Purdue to get through there. So the first thing that you have to say is this is a team that has won one high major road game at Northwestern, the worst team in the league and had to have the door open for them to get that. So if you don't come with a full force effort in that game at the very start, then what are we doing here? I mean, if you don't chase them out of the gym, so to speak, say, no, this is not a place where you're going to want to play. This is not going to be any fun for you. Not like all the other road games you've lost, this isn't going to be any fun. That's the first thing you have to do. You have to make them, re- remind them that they're not in Mackie. Eventually, Mackie's coming up and you're going to have to deal with that. But We'll
0: you- think about that later.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. But they're going to do that. Yeah. I guarantee that because that's what they do. They they have been great in every home game. They beat Michigan State by thirty. I mean, the only home game that they didn't they haven't won uh, in conference was against Illinois, which right now is is has performed the best of any team in the league. So that's the first thing is that you have to as a team make it difficult to play. And then I think the second thing you have to do is you have to do a very good job defensively. Mm-hmm. On Sasha Stefanovic because when he makes shots, which is almost exclusively in Mackey, they're very good. They're very hard. They, they, they play well defensively, even when they are on the road and aren't and not winning. It's mostly because they can't score. So you have to you have to you have to slow him down. His splits going into Saturday, so I haven't updated it. He only went, I think, two of eight, so it didn't change much, changed a little. But his splits were. He was shooting close to 48% from three at home and around. And it was before going into that game is 20.5% away from Mackie 20.5%. So, and then he made, you know, and he wasn't great. He was two for eight. So he made the big one and they ran a set that was perfect and beautiful. And he made the biggest shot of the game to win it. And, and so if you, allow, like I said, if you open that door, they're they're a mentally tough team. Uh, you know, in some spots, you know, they're gonna fight. Uh, if the, if they if they see daylight, they're gonna fight for it. But a lot of the time on the road, they haven't, and so they haven't been competitive. And you know, I think the other thing you have to do is you have to defend the interior well. I mean, Travion Williams is capable of at thirty eight and twenty in a, in a game against Michigan. Um, and so. But he's all, he, You can also knock it, you know, knock him off this game. I mean, Northwestern did that. Uh, he was not good in that game. There was a point in the game when he got benched, where they just said, you know, take a seat. And and it was not because he wasn't converting when he had opportunities. It was because he wasn't battling all the time. He's turning the ball over. Uh, he wasn't guarding well. Uh, he wound up six and nine for thirteen points doesn't look like a bad day, but there was a there was a stretch in there where they just said we could we could do this without you and so you know you've got to do a really good job on him he's got unbelievable hands he's a great finisher uh he he can command space and he passes really well so you have to execute against him you have to ex- if you're gonna double him you can't just so you know you can't just mosey around out there uh you've got to make sure the doubles are hard so that he can't see out because uh, if you do if you don't then he finds the pass and, and and puts his guys in good spots he's really good at it uh so that's another thing those are probably the two biggest elements and then whoever your guy is and I, right now i'm not sure who that is for the hoosiers but that person whoever they put no gel on has got to realize that it's going to be a tough day for you to do anything. I mean, let's say they decide that they're worried about Devontae having one of those Florida State days. And so that's where Nogel goes. Well, then you can't keep pursuing that Florida State day. I mean, at that point, you got to become a distributor and a screener and a, and a helper and because and, you're not going by him. I mean, you know, there are guys that can go by him, but they don't play for Indiana. I mean, that's just the reality of your lineup. They don't I mean uh, there are guys out there who could do it, but it's right now at in your current iteration, that's not the guys you got. You've got good players, but you don't have that guy. so you have to you have to you have to find ways to deal with whatever with the with the ability that he presents to shut down a great scorer, and then you have to take advantage of the fact he's not a great shooter and try to try to put him on an island and use his defender to mess up other guys while at the same time, not losing track of him so that he can hurt you on the offensive boards and things like that.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's kind of zoom out. Let's talk about the conference. How are you power ranking the conference after another up and down week?
1: It's a, it's a hard one because the team that I, I mentioned, Illinois, I think they're probably one right now because of the, all the road wins they have. They I think, you know, even yesterday in defeat, they were really good. Uh, that was the, that Illinois, Iowa game was one of, if not the best big 10 games this year. And there have been a lot of good ones, but that was just stunning. Some of the plays that were made uh, just amazing. The, scoop the right-handed scoop shot the off-handed scoop shot by Georgie Bashanishvili uh on his right hand around the defender I, you know we were debating in the at B, at BTN whether it looked more like Connie Hawkins or Dr. J oh boy when when that's your just your frame of reference <laughs> yeah. you, you've had a pretty good play yeah um, so the, and andres Feliz uh pulling a rebound away from from I think it was Garza and Creener, two of Iowa's big guys. I can't remember which. I know uh, I know Garza was involved. I think the other one was Creener. Just ripped it right out of their hands. So they did, even in defeat, they did great things. They just couldn't hold Garza off, uh, and and didn't make enough plays down the stretch. But they they they've been the one. I would say Michigan State still too. Uh, Michigan State more than anybody. You know that big dissertation i gave about louisville the difference between louisville and say indiana really applies more to michigan state because they've got all their components they just need still to put them together and they're having trouble doing that because every game's a fight i mean they go on the road to wisconsin you go on a road to a 12 and 19 in the acc and you're trying you're trying to stay awake half the time you know it's like a great team like like I said, with, with Louisville, at NC State, I mean they they play twenty-five minutes and then they could just relax the rest of the way. You can't do that now.
0: What does that go, feel you like?
1: Road, <laughs> you go on the road to Wisconsin, they put you down 17 in the first half. Yeah. So uh but that's that's what's affecting them because they have the ability to be great. I really believe that. I mean they've got so many guys, and if they could just get a I think they could be outstanding, but they can't find it. And I I I don't know that they're going to get there. Maybe the Big Ten tournament gives them the opportunity because the games matter a little less, perhaps. Uh, you know, you can look at it. You can say, let's just use this tournament to get better for the next one. I'm not saying the Big Ten tournament title isn't important or that it won't matter in seating or whatever, but I think, you know, that might be an opportunity for them on a neutral floor where they're not at a disadvantage crowd-wise and all that, maybe to get better for a couple, you know, for a couple of days. So we'll see Uh, from there, Maryland and Maryland's fans are giving me heck about having them as a four seed. That's a good sign. uh, When you're a four seed and you're complaining about it, but I still want to see more from them on the road than we've seen. They did get the NA on a win and and that's a good one for them, but that's one of their few. So I, 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 but I, I there, that's another team that the advantage they have, is that they're they've got the one five going and, and and Michigan State has that to an extent but then you have you know your your five is six eight and sometimes that's a problem in this league and every and again in every other league you don't have an Toru, a Garza uh, a Travion a, a Trace I mean uh, sticks every other every team you go to has one of those in the in other leagues they don't um, so. On Saturday, I think size bothered Xavier Tillman, whereas in Maryland, they've got the 1-5 going. They've got the point guard in Anthony Cowan, and they've got the post in Jalen Smith. And so that's really what works for them. And, but I still think in order to be the team that the guy who was yelling at me on Twitter wants to believe that Maryland is, they've got to get more consistent play out of their wings. They have to know what they're going to get out of Ayala. They have to know what they're going to get out of Wiggins. They have to know what they're going to get out of if they just Those guys go in and out and in and out, and it's not just about who scores. They go in and when they don't score, sometimes they drift out. And so they've got to get those guys all completely on board with whatever their roles are going to be. And, and, that, and when that happens, they have a chance to be special. And then number four is Iowa, which is a team that has great role definition rates. They know exactly who they are. They know exactly what they need to do to, to be great. They just, you know, they're not a great defensive team. And can they overcome that in a, you know, in a league like this, uh, in, in the NCAA tournament? That's what we're going to have to find out. I have my doubts. Can they get better at that? I think that's, you know, it's another thing. Everybody has, everybody has a chance to get better. I know they can get better. Can they get better enough, I guess is the better question.
0: As you look ahead for games that IU fans should be keeping an eye on, obviously the big one that jumps out is on Wednesday Purdue and Iowa play Indiana's next two opponents. I share some of the same reservations about Iowa that you do. You know, when you look, they've now won what is it, 6 out of 7, but 5 of those have been at home. The one road game they won was at Northwestern. You know, they they lost at Maryland. So you know, can they go on the road and get it done? Obviously, if they go to Purdue and win that game, you really have to start taking them a little bit more seriously. Um, but right. that game, what are you looking for in that game? And then, what other games are are really big this week? Well,
1: I, you know, I mean, i I think there were a lot of people in the Big Ten who were hoping that Northwestern would finish that job on Saturday night because I think they thought that if they could get Purdue down to five hundred, that as great a coach as Matt is, maybe the guys would just give up just a little bit.
0: Painter can't win the big one, whatever.
1: <laughs> giving up is a factor in in college <laughs> basketball. I mean, you see it all the time. You're not going to see it in this league. It's not going to happen. No. Because two teams that aren't any good aren't, you know, are, are are young and believe and and have have coaches who've got kept their guys' heads in. It. Uh they, you know, they might not win any more games, but they're especially when they're at home and probably when they get to a neutral floor, they're going to be invested in trying to survive and trying to win because they know that they're, that next year is what they're playing for. And so it's, so they're okay with not, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't look at their record and celebrate, but they're, you know, it's not about what their record is now. It's about a year from now. Can we be, can we do what Illinois did and can we do what Rutgers did? So From that standpoint, I think you have to look at it and say that Purdue missed, you know, missed that window of being one of those teams out there that could just say, I don't know if we're going to get there this year. They're still there. They're still in it. Now they come at home and they're playing a team that's a four seed, a five seed right now in my bracket. Uh, and so they, they can get right back in this. The only thing between Purdue and being in my bracket is being at least three games over 500. That would put them there, and I'm not saying I'm the gatekeeper or anything, but what I am saying is that I'm one of the few holdouts. I mean, there are others out there that are putting them in, so they know that they just need to stack wins because their metrics are so good that if they do that, one, their metrics will only get better because most of the wins that you stack in this league are high-quality quad one or quad two and two um, they've already done enough that their metrics have you know have built the base for them they just have to build on to it so I I think that they're going to fight like heck to beat Iowa I, I I don't have any doubt about that and Iowa you know Michigan State I Iowa, was going to know going in there that it's going to be one of the tougher road games they face because Mackey's crowd is one of the best in the league, and the team plays completely differently there than they do when they leave.
0: And Fran's already fired up after the end of that Illinois game, so let's see how he, uh, how he responds to the Mackey crowd. Um, last question for you, Mike. As, as you look around the conference, obviously, you know, there's a lot of players that are getting a lot of pub, guys like Luca Garza and Cassius Winston, of course, Jalen Smith, uh, Io Sunmo. Who's a player that's playing really well that you think is flying under the radar that people should be talking about more?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. That's a great question. Um, who is playing great in the league that's flying under the radar? And
0: maybe it's one of those guys that just isn't even getting enough attention, but
1: you know, I you know, I was while while I think about the other, you know, Io, I think, is playing certainly at an all Big Ten level. And given his position, maybe all America level. I mean, he's been phenomenal. And I don't know that people are paying attention to that. I think he. I think I think Jalen Smith. I mean, the wooden list came out, and Anthony Cowan was on it. I think Anthony's having a nice year
0: over Jalen Smith.
1: Yeah. Okay. Oh, sure <laughs> that, that there was no Jalen. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's uh, ridiculous. Agree that that the best player on Maryland's team this year has been by a by. It's a not close. Yeah. I mean, he's been phenomenal, and I think Ant, Like I said, I think Anthony's been fine. He's been very good. He's he's not been overwhelming. Uh, but he's having a good year. Uh, his team's 17-4. He's putting up good numbers, good percentages, but he's not overwhelmed anybody. Uh, he doesn't have anything to apologize for, but Jalen Smith's been phenomenal. Yeah. And, uh, so I think that's a guy that needs to get way more attention. Now, part of it is that Jalen's average, and the last time I looked, he was averaging around 14 and a half a game. So people don't always catch on when you do that. Uh, but you're talking about a guy who has a lot of balls fly over his head. I mean, you know, those guys like to, those guys like to shoot that and the, and the offense is built for that and they don't always throw it in the post and they run, you know, they'll run a lot of pick and pops for him and he's very good at it, but they don't feed the post a lot. And, and so that's part of the reason why his uh, scoring numbers are not elite.
0: His usage rate is only 23%. You look at, you know, guys like Lamar Stevens and Wesson and Garza, they're using 30% of possessions. Get him the right. ball, Marilyn. I didn't realize it was that low.
1: yeah, that's what that's not what they do. I mean, like I said, uh, when Jalen winds up with the ball in his hands, it's you know, I'd say probably well easily i I, I shouldn't put a percentage on it because it'd just be a made up number, but a vast majority of the time he's either pulling it off the offensive board or it's a pick and pop situation or a pick and roll. but they don't feed the post that much. they, you know, they play it other ways and they're successful 17 and four. So I'm not going to argue with it, but I, but because of that, he doesn't get as much attention as he deserves. And I, you know, I keep going back to this. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show. I know I've mentioned on the network is my admiration for him because I, how many guys have you seen, Jared, they complain and complain and complain because they have to be the center yeah, I've seen I saw an army of bigs in the last 10 years go through the 6'11, 265, and they set up in the post and they guard the other team's big guy and they ha- and they're listed as forwards because they don't want to be called a center. And this guy's standing out there around four, six, four guys half the time, and the other half. And, you know, he's got nobody to take the physical heat off. I mean, he has fallen. he's great. Uh, uh, one of my favorite players in the league this year, easily.
0: He takes his frustration out on opposing fans after big road victories. <laughs> yes, pictures. I think he does. <laughs> yes, I think he does. Well, Mike, we appreciate your insight as always. Hopefully, one of these years, our annual trip up there coincides with one of your trips down to Assembly Hall, which would be a yeah. lot of fun. Well,
1: it's it you know with with the with the 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 new job, um, it it limits my uh, weekday games now too because. uh, I'm on uh, the pre-game, the FS1 pre-game shows and post-game shows from time to time, and uh, so uh, it, it's harder for me to get to a game now than it, than it used to be in the past. But yeah, uh, and I but I, I'm really enjoying working with the Fox people. My old friend Jimmy Jackson, he's phenomenal. The the anchors are all great. My
0: old nemesis. Did I tell you before the Ohio State game last year we were there and he was getting out of his car and I saw him. And I walked over to him and I didn't really have a plan. So I just said, I want you to know that I grew up hating you. And he's like, what? I was like, I was an IU fan. You always killed us. Like I respect you, but I hated you. And it was like, like, I think he thought I was going to like jump him or something, which is totally my fault for being really (laughs) awkward. But then he was really nice and, you know, shook our hand and everything. He seemed like a really nice guy. He is a great guy.
1: One of my favorite (laughs) people. I just, uh, real blessed to get a chance to know him. He's, he's awesome. And, uh, so uh, getting to be reunited with him is terrific and uh, and the Fox people that I work with have all been delightful. So uh and then the BTN thing, I mean they are they're the best uh, you know I, yesterday was the 10th anniversary of me getting a phone call saying they wanted to put me on TV. So that that's been that was a good day. So wow.
0: Yes it was.
1: It was pretty cool. Uh, it, and the reason I know that is cuz uh uh it was uh, Super Bowl Sunday um Ten years ago, uh, they were the Colts and the Saints, I think, were playing, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, you know, they've been they've been awesome.
0: They have been awesome. Well, Mike, thank you. Have a great week watching Big Ten Hoops, and we'll look forward to talking with you next week. Hard
1: not to have a great week watching Big Ten Hoops, Jared.
0: That is true. That is true. See you soon. Yeah, Take thanks, care. Mike. All right. The great Mike DeCourcy here with us on Mondays, talking IU Hoops, talking Big Ten Hoops. We always really appreciate it. Um, all right. Time to get off here. Go get this podcast posted. We'll be back for Assembly Call Ready on Thursday, like I said. And again, if you're gonna be in town on Saturday, hit us up. Send me, you know, a note on Twitter, send me an email, let me know that you're gonna be there. We'd love to be able to meet you either at Assembly Hall uh for the game or at Switchyard after that. Uh Friday night, you know, we'll be out too. So hopefully if you are in town, please let me know uh so that we can meet up and see you. Goodness gracious. Let's let's go. Let's go win that game at home. It's a huge huge game for Indiana. You know, as bad as we all feel right now after collapsing against Maryland and losing two straight on the road, we're one good home victory away from getting back to 500 and being right back on the trajectory that we need to be at to hit our goal of making the NCAA tournament. So a really big game for Indiana to come home. Its conference is so tough. This team is obviously up and down, has so many holes on its roster, things it doesn't do well, but they played pretty well at home. And so they got to come out, do it again, get another victory, and then we can uh, hopefully start building some good momentum for down the stretch. All right, thanks to everybody who's here live. Thanks again to Mike DeCourcy, and we will talk to you guys Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio.
1: To remind pet owners that Progressive covers pets in our auto policy at no extra charge, we're making a really
0: cute pet-themed radio commercial. you got to see this dog. It's a little puffball. It looks like a piece of cotton candy that I could just eat up. Oh, and it waddles when it walks. He's a little ducky dog. Oh, I wish you could see it. We really should have planned this better. Get coverage for your pets with an auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and is subject to policy terms. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player or Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at.